0: Hi everyone and welcome to what the spark on this episode titled I can make that myself we're going to talk a little bit about what contemporary art is and why people seem to hate it so much Um, for some background again I'm Rachel I'm the executive director of spark I'm a media arts major concentrating in photography and I'm also minoring in art history.
1: My name is Alex. I'm the head curator at Spark and I'm studying business and philosophy with a minor in urban studies. Uh, I'm an art enthusiast, although I don't have too much uh, technical art training background. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I also have no background in art. I just like it. My name is Emily. I am uh, the head of the media team here at Spark and I'm an international affairs major. So since we are talking about contemporary art today, it's probably a good idea to establish what contemporary art is. So here is a more like kind of formal definition. Contemporary art is known as the art of today. It's produced in the second half of the 20th century or in the uh, 21st century, aka this century, Um, and contemporary artists tend to work in a world that is globally influenced, culturally diverse, and uh, technologically advancing. So that kind of influences um, the art that they put out.
0: Yeah, so I think the big question we want to answer today is, why do people dislike contemporary art? What is it? How does it all relate? And like, how is that shifted, like, as we kind of go through the time? So personally, I think what I've noticed is that contemporary art has kind of taken on like a stronger value in the conceptual versus the technical and obviously that doesn't apply to every work of art but as like a whole i think the movement has kind of moved towards valuing the subject over just how accurate it is so like back in like ancient times people were so focused on just making art that looked like the thing they were painting and obviously like the photograph comes along and now you don't really need to do that anymore because you can take a photo so it's really cool now we're just kind of scraping the surface of how you can represent a subject without like mirroring it exactly.
1: Yeah, so that ties in a lot to um, accessibility in art. Um, so one of the things that happened a lot in the contemporary art movement was uh, this focus on concepts, um, which in some ways made uh, contemporary art more accessible and in some ways it made it less uh, accessible. It was more accessible in that you didn't have to have the technical skills to be able to create a masterpiece or replicate or have a formal, you know, art training background. But then it also became less accessible because uh, to, to say something, you know, is art, uh, which like maybe traditionally wouldn't have been considered art. Um, that can be tricky because a lot of people just aren't in a position where they'll be taken seriously for that, which makes it less accessible. So, you know, if I don't have an art background and I don't have uh, like an established presence in an art community and I walk up to a gallery and, you know, were to submit something very similar to an already established artist who's, um, you know, doing, doing something that may not regularly have been considered art, you know, I may be laughed away while the well-known person may be taken a lot more seriously. Um, and then, of course, that, you know, ties into privilege and who is who's already artists and who's, you know, upcoming.
0: Yeah I think it's also when you look at education in the art field like it takes a lot more art education to be able to understand some of these more like conceptually complex works of art so when you take a work that like the meaning isn't obvious to people obviously it gets people thinking which is great but if you don't have that art background sometimes it's difficult to understand what the point is so if you're trying to Spread a message that's really important. Sometimes that requires additional text or some additional education. So you definitely have to look at accessibility in all fronts, but I think it's still a really interesting way to get a message across and definitely something that's worth appreciating.
1: Yeah. Do you have any any thoughts on just which you personally prefer or what your personal like balance between the two is?
0: Oof. Uh, I feel like I'm biased because I do photography so like obviously I like things that are very like straightforward and to the point. Um, Mm -hmm. I once had a professor tell me that my photography was like too aggressively straight to the point (laughs) um, as a person but I think there's value to all art and even if it's not like my cup of tea and it's not something I would love to make myself I think there's Really, something to appreciate. I mean, Emily, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I kind of um, go back and forth because, like, I think the thing about um, different art that is not considered like contemporary or even going back further, like modern art, like stuff that is much more technical, like you can look at a painting like the Mona Lisa and say, oh, like that is well done because that looks like a, a woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sometimes when you look at a piece of contemporary art, it's like, well, I don't really like, the technical, like, aspect isn't there, so, like, you don't necessarily value this piece of abstract art for, like, how, um, hard the artist worked out at it, necessarily. It's more, like, what does it mean to you? And I think that the reason why a lot of people, um, get so, like, up in arms about contemporary art and, like, just hate it is because of that weird, um, meaning or lack thereof, because, like, a lot of, um, not just artists but creators in general will, like will say yeah yeah like this piece doesn't have any meaning i just made it which is kind of fascinating and i think what's interesting um is why people sort of value having a meaning to pieces of art and how that sort of influences uh, what they think about it so there's this theory that i looked into it's called terror management theory and it's kind of fascinating so it states that people need to have um, a meaningful view of life in order to manage their worries or fears about their own mortality. Um, So because like some pieces of contemporary art um, to the the average person just walking up and looking at it, it seems like it has no meaning. That kind of clashes with like humans innate need to have a meaning in life. So it genuinely just like makes people like subconsciously uncomfortable. Uh, there was actually a study done about like contemporary and modern art and meaning. Um, so in this study, uh, the people who were the subjects completed this questionnaire. Uh, that assess like their need or um, preference for order and certainty, and then half the subjects were asked to respond to open-ended questions about their own death, while the other half responded to questions about dental pain.
1: Wow, we really dark there.
2: Yeah, uh, so, but it was interesting because all of the participants then rated untitled and relatively unknown paintings belonging to um, a variety of different genres, and the researchers concluded that people who had a strong need for structure and certainty were far more likely to negatively rate more abstract paintings especially when they were already primed to think about their mortality. So if they were the people that were answering questions about their death as opposed to the people answering questions about their dental pain. (laughs) So...
1: (laughs) In conclusion, conceptual art and contemporary art is just existentialism.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but it's, I'm on it's, board. it's yeah, it's I'm really interesting. It's really interesting because it it kind of suggests that like people who quote unquote like hate contemporary art like they might not even like understand why they dislike it. it. This this study, for me at least, the way I interpreted it is like there's this sort of like subconscious thing about like we need to have like meaning and like. You know, is art like valuable if it doesn't have a meaning? Like that kind of connects back with um, the idea of like something being like technically like really well done or just like aesthetically beautiful. Like, do does this art have value if it's just like you know a a line drawn on a piece of paper? Like, can I can I appreciate that as a piece of art or do I have to find some meaning in like what that line on a piece of paper actually says? I don't know. It's all kind of like. you're right it gets too (laughs) hard about it It, (laughs) yeah it gets it gets a little like as essential the more you think about it but I just think it's really interesting um because like contemporary art like I feel like a lot of people um can't explain like why they don't like it and they're just like oh like I could make that like (laughs) the title of this podcast (laughs) um yeah I don't know just like
0: an interesting way to think about it it's like on that subject like even if you could make it you didn't (laughs) seems kind of a simple way to answer it but like you didn't think of it they did sometimes it's just as simple as like they had an idea like no one else could think of it even if it's not like a technically difficult thing to do like you're talking about it so must have made an impact on you somehow Yeah, and it still
2: requires effort to come up with an idea because, like, actually, it was so funny. The other day I was on Twitter and I, I follow a bunch of different artists on Twitter and I saw this really cute, like, watercolor painting of, like, just some onions with, like, cute faces, which sounds so random, but I was like, oh, my God, like, that's so cute, like, and I'm trying to get back into watercolors, but I'm, like, kind of, like, just in a weird, like, creative place where it's hard for me to come up with what to draw. I'm like, that's so simple. Like, why couldn't I think of that? And then I'm like, oh, like, Because that person, like, has, like, you know, a different way of thinking about things and maybe, like, more creativity than I do. Like, that's what separates, like, people who are, like, oh, like, I could have drawn that line on a paper from, like, an artist who did it.
0: Yeah.
1: We were also talking a little bit before the podcast started about how – You know, when people think of technical uh, skill, a lot of times they're thinking about uh, detail, but how one form of technical skill is being able to reduce things into more simplified structures and shapes and whatnot. So something that may seem like simple can actually take a lot of technical skill because there's technical skill involved in being able to abstract and simplify.
0: Yeah, also even just knowing when to stop. Like, like I can't draw, I can't paint, but if I tried, like, you bet I would do way too much. Like, it takes a lot of discipline and, like, knowledge of artistic theory to know, like, how much you need to get a story across versus, like, what will just, like, obscure your message and distract from it.
1: One thing I want to touch on briefly before we transition down into um, some artists that we picked for uh, some favorites is, so we talked a little bit about uh, conceptual conceptual value versus technical skill. Um, But I also want to just throw in aesthetic value because I think that's different from the two. Um, So you could have something that has uh, you know no no like you know significant ideas trying to get across and minimal technical skill, but could still be have you know a very uh, significant aesthetic value. Or you could have you know kind of the reverse. Um, So I think that plays into it. And I think uh, going back to Emily was talking a bit about, like, you know, some of the, like, kind of innate things that happen in our mind when we're looking at art. I think aesthetic judgment is kind of one of those. Um, I think that's something that we kind of judge immediately. Um, And I was doing some research into a little bit of aesthetic philosophy. And Peter Osborne um, wrote something called The Philosophy of Contemporary Art. And basically he was saying that uh, he was comparing kind of these three uh, ideas and was talking about how in order to, like, prioritize uh, conceptuality more in art, Um, artists for a while were reducing the aesthetic value Um, and I think that was something that people reacted negatively towards was uh, the prioritization of conceptual value over aesthetic value. Then he was also talking about how now there's been more of a shift now that we've seen like how uh, art can function in a conceptual way, there's been more of a shift back into aesthetic value.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting how those three kind of tie together, like conceptual, technical, and aesthetic, and like how sometimes you may think like conceptual and aesthetic and technical could all be lumped into one thing, but like, they're all like really different qualities and like to different artists, they matter in different degrees. Like, I've definitely been guilty of taking a photo because I like the aesthetic of it, having like no concept behind it.
1: Well, that's not necessarily a
0: bad thing either. Yeah, it's hard to like say. If I value aesthetic more, like on this day, like does that make that piece of art worse than something that's not necessarily fun to look at?
1: But, but has like has meaning. An important
0: meaning. I guess it depends on like what your goal is. Like, I guess like you don't always have to like change the world with art, but like it's yeah. great that it has the ability. For sure. And does speaking
1: to- of,
2: ooh, oh. <laughs> sorry, I was gonna say speaking of changing the world with art. Uh, Do we want to move over to uh, chatting about some contemporary artists who have certainly made an impact
0: on the world? Sure. Oh, I am excited for this. (laughs)
1: Rachel, you want to go first or you want me to? Um,
0: I'll go, mostly because I've been practicing pronouncing this name for like 10 minutes (laughs) and I don't want to forget. So an artist that's definitely taken some steam in Boston lately, Yayoi Kusama. Um, she just did a really awesome exhibition in the ICA, um, Institute of Contemporary Art in Seaport, and I went with Leah, who's not on this podcast, but is in Spark and, and is she's going to edit this, this Hi, podcast. Leah. <laughs> Hi, Leah. Thank you. Um, we went to one of her infinity rooms, which was really awesome. It's a room like full of mirrors. But the piece I want to talk about today is called Narcissus Garden, and I'll, I'll describe what the piece is, and I can talk a little bit about the meaning, but it's really wild. So in 1966, um, Kusama went to the Venice Biennial, which was like a big art exhibit, and she got 1,500 plastic silver balls, put them all over the lawn, and she had a little sign that said, you're system for sale. And the artwork wasn't the balls. The art was her acting like a street peddler and selling the balls to people for $2, I believe she actually got in trouble for selling them and had to stop. But the idea was that she was making this like reflective field where you were looking at your own image and kind of having to confront your own narcissism and think about why is it so attractive to like have this ball that you can see yourself in. And she was making a lot of commentary on vanity and ego. It was really interesting. And like the fact that the artwork was just like, this currency exchange, something that we do every day when we go to, like, a supermarket, like, always blows my mind. And, like, for a long time, I didn't understand it. Like, I learned about this piece in high school, like, what feels like forever ago. And I always thought it was, like, like, it didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand why that was art. But, like, the whole experience is really interesting. People were talking about it for so long, and they literally made her stop. So, it must have had, like, some kind of impact.
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I love, I love mm-hmm. art like
0: that, where it's like interactive.
1: Yeah, I wish I were there, but like, it sounds I like know. such a cool Wish
0: experience. I was alive back then. To- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought it was interesting, so when we were choosing our various pieces, I'm just noticing that, um, I thought it was interesting that a lot of our pieces uh, had to do with kind of questioning the role of gallery space in a way, because uh, the infinity rooms and in, like the Narcissus's garden, like, the or Narcissus's garden, I mean, was outside, um, So, wasn't it, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, um, that was interesting that that was kind of questioning the role of the gallery space. And then, but the the two that I chose were also kind of doing that, Um, although they were indoors. Um, So, I'm going to start with uh, Walter De Maria's uh, The The New York Earth Room, excuse me, um, which is essentially this room full of dirt in New York City. Uh, And it's actually (laughs) probably my favorite art piece of all time, which, again, speaks to how I feel about uh, the value of concept versus technicality <laughs> <laughs> quite quite a bit. Um, but it really has made me think a lot about um, how we value um, urban spaces and what we should do with them. Um, and because mostly the thing- Your that urban just,
2: planning uh, is showing. Yeah, it really <laughs> is.
1: Um, but it just makes me think about like- like, you know, park space, but then also, like, think about how expensive it is to keep open a room full of dirt in the <laughs> middle of New York, yet people are, like, still drawn to it, like Moss to a flame, like, people still go there and are so interested in it. Um, and then the second one that I recently wanted to discuss was uh, Chris Burden's shoot. Um, this was a performance art piece uh, wherein he gets shot in the arm with a twenty-two long rifle in, uh, in a gallery space. Uh, and this was... <laughs> I- <laughs> I really shouldn't be laughing because this was to protest the Vietnam War. No, definitely not um, funny, but also, yeah, like, but like... It's one of those situations wild. where you're laughing
2: because it's just so baffling. It's so absurd,
1: but- yeah. Um, but, like, what What a, like, great way to, like, bring, you know, something to, uh, you know, people who are so removed from war to really make them question their own political beliefs and just, like, you know like just go at their empathy just like to make them feel feel the war more than they're like you know necessarily seeing it on on tv or anything but again this was another thing of questioning the role of gallery space because it's performance art like you can't shoot people in most galleries (laughs) um so and it's not just something you can hang um you know there is a recording now i would argue that the recording is much the art piece as like you know him getting shot (laughs)
0: Do you think it has the same impact over video?
1: I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I I could not imagine being there. Like, I just I can imagine just like looking around and be like, "You
2: guys seeing this? No, you yeah. This? Like, <laughs> it's like even even with like a small gun. Like, I- I've got I've gone to like a shooting range before. Like, I'm not a yeah, big gun same. person, but I've gone to a shooting range before. And like the vi- like the sound of like someone like firing a weapon is like very oh, yeah. like.
1: And usually powerful. you have ear protection too. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, you're just in a gallery.
2: Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine what, what it would be like. Um, and, and I, yeah. I definitely feel like there's, some, you, you miss something by, um, by, by not
0: being there in person for it. Would that sure. like? I'm curious were those people aware that someone was going to get shot or were they just like standing there?
1: I probably should have done more research into that because I'm not sure. Also, they could have been provided ear protection. I'm not sure. (laughs) Like, um, (laughs) yeah.
0: The important things. All right. Um, I think like, this is a really great, like start to this conversation. I feel like we could talk about this for literally hours. I I could talk about this forever. Um, but like, to wrap it up, just curious, like do you guys think your perception has changed at all since like we started this conversation? I know we've talked about this before we recorded, but like personally, I think the more I talk about it, the more open I am to contemporary art. and I think it's kind of like a reflex like you gotta fight it and like make the effort to understand why, like even if it's not traditional, I'm quoting, but they can't see me, traditional art. <laughs> It's so. It's still valuable.
1: I have the reverse thing where I'm just immediately drawn to contemporary (laughs) art. Like I, I just like immediately am excited by it and interested in it, and I just want to understand what's happening. So I'm not like, I don't know. I don't have that like instinct to fight it. Um, But then briefly touching on um, just how our opinions and whatnot have changed. I think for the most part, I'm I'm still pretty gung-ho about uh, <laughs> contemporary art, but I will say when I was uh, doing some of the research on the aesthetic philosophy, I'd always kind of considered aesthetic philosophy as more just about, um, like, art in general, but, um, and not, I hadn't really separated out that it's really a lot more narrow and just focused on the aesthetic value of anything um, <laughs> rather than just, like, philosophy of art, which is kind of how I'd previously blown it off a little bit as.
0: Yeah. There's honestly so much more research that could be done on this and like oh yeah if i was like a science person i would love to do that but probably not for me but i feel like I you know, got some
1: a... interdisciplinary stuff going think? on though
0: i'm gonna find someone that's more science me. yeah you. please I'd if you're a science it.
1: major please join spark
0: please <laughs> um help us guys. do research yeah you know as a great segue though emily do you want to talk about some stuff we have coming up while we're on the topic yeah,
2: so um, you should follow us on social media. We are at Spark N-E-U. Check out our website, um, Spark Northeastern. EDU slash Spark. Northeastern. EDU slash Spark. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we have a virtual exhibition going on right now, um, which is really interesting for us because we are used to putting things up in a physical space, um, but obviously with everything going on right now with COVID um, and Northeastern being shut down, we kind of had to pivot and, uh, you know, looking forward, like this might be something that we um, end up doing more uh, in the future. And, you know, connecting back to accessibility, you know, mm-hmm. if if you don't want to go out of your way to go to our <laughs> artist space in Reserve Hall, because it can, I, it can be a little confusing navigating that area, like, <laughs> We do
0: have our art up on our website, <laughs> and the exhibition is still open. We're still accepting pieces, and they can be very contemporary if you want them to be. Um, I mean, don't like lay out uh, a bunch of silver yourself, balls and shoot yourself, but <laughs> you you could send in something weirdly abstract, and we would probably take it. Yeah. So I think
2: I think that about wraps it up. Thanks, guys, for the third episode of what the spark i think this is the third episode episode. Episode? yeah Yeah. contemporary art
0: if anyone's interested in sending us any topics or you have some really strong feelings on contemporary art feel free to dm us on instagram or if i got like a whole
1: bunch of information wrong like just please yeah back check
0: us um (laughs) i'm i'm an art history minor i'm not an expert (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks so much for listening you guys and we will see you on the next one